Chapter 11 When Lily first went back to him at the road, Dee ignored her. I'm sorry, okay? Lily said, her voice catching in her throat. You were right. I should have listened to you. You betrayed me, Lily, he said. You made me think you were ready for this adventure, but when things got a little hard, when I shared the truth with you, you ran away. I know, and I'm really sorry, Lily said. You have no idea how sorry I am. I'll keep at it this time. Even if you fall and get hurt? Even if I fall and get hurt? To prove her words, Lily stepped boldly into the field for a second time. It was much harder this time. Lily fell often, accumulating more scrapes and scratches. Her body ached, and every time she fell, she took longer getting up. You're weak, Dee said. Are you going to give up and go back again? No, she refused and stumbled forward. By mid-afternoon, her body was completely torn up. I need to rest, she said. I can't stop and wait on you to rest, Dee replied. Catch up when you're ready, if you're ever ready. Lily collapsed on the ground as Dee stomped off. She couldn't begin to muster energy to care that she'd disappointed him again. She alternated between watching the sun traverse the sky and fitful bouts of sleep. Her body throbbed. She was hungry and thirsty, and she wanted to die. Long after the sun had set that night, Lily was startled awake by the sounds of shrieks and raucous laughter. Overcome by fear, Lily lay perfectly still, hoping to escape the attention of the noisemakers. Whoa! Way to go, Delilah! A voice cheered. Relieved, Lily sat up and saw a shadow in the beams of lanterns almost parallel to where she sat, though several yards to her left. Someday I'm going to catch up with you, Delilah! A voice Lily recognized as her brother Solomon shouted. Nobody's going to catch up with me, Delilah said in a sing-song voice. I'm the queen of the field. Lily sank back onto the ground, weary. How could Delilah have come so far without getting hurt? Wasn't this all a game to her, as Dee had said? Lily felt like a child. After all, she hadn't made it very far. Suddenly, a lantern shone in her eyes. Lil? Lily squinted up at the lantern and saw it was her brother's friend, Hezekiah. Lobbing her head to the side, she saw Delilah, Mariah, and Solomon following him. "'What are you doing all the way out here?' Hezekiah asked. Lily winced as she sat up again. "'Trying to find treasure.' "'Doesn't look like you've made much progress,' Hezekiah said, dropping the shovel he was carrying and plopping himself on the ground beside her. "'You might want to take some pointers from Delilah.' "'Thanks for the advice,' Lily said." Hezekiah glanced up at the star-peppered sky. That's amazing. Lily glanced up. Yep. Can I ask you something personal? Hezekiah asked. I guess. What do you think of the king? Delilah and the others stumbled over. Hezekiah, that's an awfully personal question, Delilah said. We're all friends, Hezekiah said. Why shouldn't we know where each other stands on politics? He nudged Lily. I'm still waiting for your answer. Lily mulled over the question. 
She could either be honest and face rejection for her views, or she could make up something neutral to please her audience. Remembering where she was sitting and the rejection she would now face regardless, she opted for truth. I think for being supposedly an all-powerful king, he has completely lost control of his business, she blurted. That's harsh, Hezekiah said. If you look at where you and I are sitting, it kind of makes sense, Lily indicated around them. How is it that we're in the field, trying to take the king's treasure out from under his nose, and he has no idea? Oh, darling, we're not just trying, Delilah said, waving a jangling bag in Lily's direction. We're succeeding. The conversation quickly turned into a political discussion about the king's level of involvement in the kingdom. Lily tuned it out, thinking about how much further she needed to go to get to where the treasure might be buried. She must not disappoint Dee this time. Eventually, Hezekiah broke in. We should be getting back. The others stood and brushed themselves off, but Lily remained sitting. You coming, Lil? Hezekiah asked. No, Lily said. I'm staying. I need to go further in the morning. You know father and mother will find out eventually, right? Solomon said. And you know they'll tell the elders. Lily held up her nail-scabbed arms. What are they going to do? This is my life now. Solomon shrugged. Suit yourself. As the others headed away into the night, laughing and shouting, Lily curled up on the ground, feeling alone and miserable. Gradually, her eyes grew heavy, and she fell asleep. Chapter 12 Raphael's heart sank as he entered the throne room. The king sat on the throne, eyes shielded by his hand, and Raphael could tell his father was weeping. Raphael had known this day was coming from the beginning, but of course it made it no less difficult now that it had actually occurred. Father? The king lifted his head. Seeing Raphael, he managed to smile. My son, thank you for coming, the king said. Of course, Raphael said. The king shook his head. They chose to listen to him, Raphael. His voice grew hoarse. They listened to him instead of me. I'm so sorry, father, Raphael said, putting a hand on his father's shoulder. What can I do? The king gazed into Raphael's eyes as tears filled his own. The law dictates there must be a sacrifice for their violation. Raphael nodded. They can't do it, the king said. They'll never survive the guilt, the isolation. My son, you're the only acceptable candidate for such a sacrifice. You're untouched by rebellion. He paused. My son, you must restore our relationship with them. Raphael frowned. Father, I'll do whatever you ask, but how am I to do this? You must go into the field and confront Deceiver, the king answered. You must go to the source of the fog that shrouds the kingdom and destroy it. In so doing, you'll make a way for them to know us again. Raphael stood silently. It's not an easy path, the king said apologetically. You'll bear scars from it, but there's no other way. My son, will you go for them? I will. Chapter 13 when Lily woke up again, Dee was standing over her. You haven't moved at all since this time yesterday, he said, kicking her. 
Lily sat up. I have moved. I've sat up and laid back down. You're not funny, Dee said. Now get up on your feet. Lily struggled to stand. Her feet throbbed with pain and she could not get her balance, so she knelt instead. I have a question, Dee chuckled. <laughs> Shoot, kid. Do you know Delilah personally? Dee grinned. Sure. Delilah's my superstar. She doesn't get hurt like you, and if she does, she never lets on. Lily's pulse quickened. Was that elder in my old village your superstar too? One of the best, kid, Dee said, examining his fingers. I especially like him. He got you ready for me. I'm not going anywhere with you, Lily said through gritted teeth. Dee shook his head ruefully. Nobody twisted your arm, kid, he said. You wanted this. You better believe that I'm going to claim every part of you that I can while you're here. When I get through with you, nobody will want to come within a mile of you. Not your family, not your village, and not anyone in any other village either. He grabbed Lily's arm and yanked her to her feet. Dragging her further into the field, he picked up some loose barbed wire and began to thrash her with it. As the barbed wire caught her cheek, Lily cried out, Help! Somebody please help me! Shut up, Dee said, once again snatching her arm and pulling her along. Nobody can hear you. Please, Lily shouted with what little strength she could summon. Help! Lily, I'm coming, a voice from behind them cried. Let her go! In an instant, Dee let go of Lily, and she fell backward from his lack of resistance. She looked up to see an unfamiliar man running toward them. Dee was panting and looked on contemptuously. You want her? Don't you see what a mess she is? The man ignored Dee and stooped beside Lily, gazing at her with concern. For some reason, his kind eyes made her feel ashamed, and she could not look into them. Don't listen to him, Lily, the man said. Just let me have her, Dee said. She's of no value to you. The man glared at Dee. She's of immense value to me. Now if I were you, he said, his voice lowering, I would get out of here. Dee backed away and held up his arms in surrender. Whatever. She's all yours. I never wanted her anyway. Let's get you out of here, Lily, the man said as Dee took off running. Lily stiffened. How do you know my name? I'll explain later, he answered. Right now we need to get you out of the field. I don't think I can make it, Lily said mournfully. I'll carry you, the man said, extending his arms to her. Why aren't you hurt, she asked. The field doesn't hurt me the way it hurts you, he answered. Now will you let me help you? Lily nodded, deciding it couldn't hurt. Please. The man scooped her into his arms and began walking back towards the village in long, swift strides. What's your name? Lily asked. Raphael. Oh, Lily said. Then she had a horrifying thought. You're, you're not Raphael the king's son, are you? Raphael smiled. I am. Humiliated, Lily looked away. Chapter 14 Lily remained silent until they crossed out of the field, too embarrassed to speak. Raphael set her down in the grass under the oak tree. Why did you come out into the field for me? Lily finally asked. 
I mean, I shouldn't have been out there at all. I disobeyed the king's edict, and I deserve to be left out there to die. I went into the field to rescue you because I love you, Raphael answered, kneeling on the ground beside her. Lily raised her eyebrows. How can you love me? You don't even know me. I know every detail about you, Lily, Raphael said, pulling a bottle and white bandages out of his knapsack. I'm the king's son. I know all about the hurt you carry, not just in your body, but deep in your heart. I know about the people who were supposed to protect you that wounded and left you vulnerable instead. Lily's mind immediately went to the elder of her old village, the one who had trespassed in the field. She thought of her parents who should have believed her about him when nobody else did. Tension knotted up in her stomach thinking of this injustice. If you knew, why haven't you done anything until now? Lily said. Raphael paused in his setup and met Lily's eyes. Lily was momentarily ashamed of her bitter tone. Sometimes, Raphael said, the most terrible things bring people exactly to where they need to be. Which is where exactly? Lily asked. With me, Raphael said. Before Lily could protest, he continued, Do you know, you've never called out for help the way you just did in the field. Lily contemplated this. I've needed help many times. Ah, yes, Raphael said, but you've never asked. Lily knew this was true, much as she hated admitting it. What am I going to do, she asked. I can't go back to my village. They'll know I've been in the field and nobody will want me. Lily began to cry. Hey, Raphael said, I want you. He caught her gaze again. I want you, he repeated. I claim you. Tears spilled out of Lily's eyes and dripped down her cheeks. Raphael gestured at the bottle and bandages on the ground between them. I'm going to clean up your wounds and put bandages on them, if you'll let me. Lily extended her arms. Okay. Once Lily's wounds had all been bandaged, she sat reclining against the trunk of the oak tree, savoring the breeze and sunshine. Raphael? Yes, Lily. Does the king know what happens in the field? Lily asked. The king knows everything, Raphael said. It's just that D said, D? The man who was leading me through the field, Lily said. Raphael grimaced. Is that what he's calling himself these days? His real name is Deceiver. Learning his name, Lily felt silly. As if he sensed her discomfort, Raphael said kindly, He's very good at what he does. That's how he earned his name. You're not the first person he's hoodwinked, and you certainly won't be the last. Who is he? Lily said. He's an enemy of my father's, Raphael explained, but he used to be one of the king's greatest and most glorious servants. What happened? Lily asked. Being a servant wasn't enough for him, Raphael said. He was a great artist in the court, but over time his success made him think he should succeed my father on the throne. After he was banished from the palace, he came here to the field to build a rebellion against the king. I don't understand, Lily said. Why doesn't the king just step in and destroy Deceiver? He will, said Raphael. The king has vowed to imprison him and his followers forever at the end of history. For now, though, we're trying to liberate as many of his followers as possible. Why not just tell them all the truth, Lily asked. Raphael laughed. They have been told the truth. 
Many refused to listen. I didn't know about Deceiver, Lily said. No, Raphael said, eyebrows raised. Did you know the field is evil? Well, yes, Lily said. Everyone knows the field is evil. And yet you went in anyway, Raphael said. You listened to someone who tried to convince you that something you knew was bad was good. Lily folded her arms over her chest. I didn't know why it was bad, though. Deceiver made a good case. So it wasn't enough for you to know that the field is evil, Raphael answered. You had to go in for yourself, even though you knew the truth. Yes, I suppose so, Lily said. Then I think we can agree that hearing and knowing the truth in and of itself does not liberate people, Raphael said. They must actively choose and accept the truth. Couldn't the king force people to choose the truth, though? Lily asked. It wouldn't be a choice if he forced them, now would it? Raphael said. He wants to be chosen. Lily thought for several moments. What do you choose, Lily? Raphael asked after a few minutes. Do you choose truth and the freedom that comes with it? Or do you choose a life of being deceived and victimized over and over again? Lily's response was immediate. I want truth and freedom. Chapter 15 Hava struggled against the chains Lucifer had used to bind her and her husband. She had to fix this before the king found out. He must never know that she and Adam had trespassed into the field. Would you stop moving, Adam said. You've made enough of a mess as it is. Me, Hava said. You came into the field too. Oh, Adam, come into the field with me, Adam mimicked. I never should have listened to you. I never should have listened to him, Hava said, referring to Lucifer. He probably targeted you because you're so weak-minded, Adam said. His tricks would never have worked on me. Hava was surprised by a painful twinge in her chest at these words. Adam had never spoken to her that way before. Had he been thinking it all along? Choosing not to respond, Hava continued struggling against the chains. She needed to make this right. Her ears were pricked by the sound of footsteps crunching closer and closer on the gravel road. She couldn't see but a few feet in front of her. A heavy fog had settled over the field since she and Adam had been bound, blocking her view of the palace, but she suspected it was... Hava? Adam? The call pierced the air and confirmed Hava's fears. The king was coming. Suddenly, Hava stood perfectly still, not daring to make a sound. Maybe the king wouldn't be able to locate them. The footsteps continued approaching, however, and gradually the fog formed around the king's shape. There you... The king broke off mid-sentence as he surveyed the scene before him. What happened? Hava could see his devastation, his utter disappointment as his face fell and his shoulders sank. Adam cut in before Hava had a chance to offer an explanation. Hava went in first. She kept nagging me, so I joined her. What have you done? Although Hava could not look at the king, she knew this question was addressed to her. Lucifer, Hava said. He said you were holding out on us, that we could be completely free, and I believed him. What do you think now, Hava? the king asked. Was I holding out on you? Are you free? 
Hearing the king's words, Hava did not feel a twinge as she had with Adam earlier, but a full wrench of her heart. Of course she was not free, but she had no answer for the king that she could vocalize. In disobeying my orders and entering the field, you've unlocked a curse, the king said. You and your descendants will be shackled, not with chains, but with guilt and shame because of your defiance. You will live your lives trying to undo what you have done, only to reach the end of your days and realize the futility of your efforts. You've destroyed our friendship. Please, Hava said, tell me how I can make this right. You can't. Someone else will have to. Chapter 16 Raphael trudged wearily into the field, hearing the jeering and muttering behind him. Many of the villagers didn't believe he was the king's son, for why would the prince humiliate himself in such a way? Even the ones who did believe him didn't understand. Why did he have to enter the field in order to destroy the curse? Nevertheless, he knew this was his path and continued on until their figures and words were faded out by the dense fog. Everything was completely still and gray for a moment. Then the wowling began. There were shrieks of terror and hair-raising grating sounds. Raphael knew the commotion came from dark spirits and fallen souls. Raphael became aware that Deceiver was present, not in any physical form, but as a spirit blending with the fog. It would begin soon. A high-pitched whisper snaked into his ear. Why are you here, Raphael? Raphael cringed. I am here to defeat you. Shouldn't you have sent one of them to do it? The voice asked. You know very well none of them can, Raphael said, his own voice returning to him dark and heavy like the air around him. The king should punish them all. You'd like that, wouldn't you? Raphael said. The king is too just, too loving, too powerful to deal with things your way, deceiver. If the king is so just, why did he send an innocent in the place of people who deserve to be in this madness? His law requires a sacrifice unscathed by rebellion to atone for rebellion. I am the only one sufficient, Raphael said. If the king is so loving, why is he sending you, his only son, to take care of this? Doesn't he love you? Of course he loves me, Raphael answered. He also loves the people, even though you've done everything you can to break his relationship with them. My sacrifice will make that relationship possible once again. The king is weak. Otherwise, he would have chosen another way. I am here to demonstrate the king's power, Raphael said. I'm going to take away the weight of the guilt and isolation these people feel. They will be free from this fog once and for all. You'll never find the source. I am the light, Raphael declared. I can find anything. Even if you can, do you really think you have any power in my domain? Raphael laughed heartily. This is not your domain. All things belong to my father, the king. I am his son, and what belongs to him is also mine. Take the fog. Make everything clear. Do away with the burden. Even with your work, you'll never be rid of my deception. Raphael glared resolutely into the thick air in front of him, sensing Deceiver there. You'll continue for a short time, Deceiver, but your deception will be defeated by truth at the end of history. You will be imprisoned forever, you and all who follow you. 
At this statement, Raphael felt Deceiver's presence vanish. He suspected the corrupt servant had withdrawn to protect the fog's source. Raphael shook his head at this feeble attempt and drew his sword, stealthily creeping forward. As he stole ahead into the white-gray air, the caterwauling continued and an oppressive weight settled into his chest. It was strange not to have any guidance from his father, who had always been with him to give counsel before now. He lost all sense of time and direction. He couldn't recall how long it had been since Deceiver had left him, or where he should go to find the source of the fog. No, the only thing he retained was his sense of purpose. He must do this for the people. The further Raphael went, the more resistant the air around him became, and the more distressed the cries of the lost. He pushed onward with great difficulty. He had to be close to the source now. Suddenly, forceful gusts of wind whipped around him and all other sound was cut off. It nearly knocked him to the ground. He regained his balance and thrust forward. Then Raphael saw it, the source. It was a black, throbbing mass revolving about three feet above the ground, dispensing gray matter into the atmosphere. As he advanced toward it, he felt Deceiver's sinister presence once again. In the gray between Raphael and the source, a blackness emerged and began taking shape. Raphael stood still, waiting to see what form Deceiver would take this time. A dragon appeared before Raphael, smoke pouring from his nostrils. Did you think it would be as easy as that? Raphael's eyes stung in the smoke. If it was going to be easy, my father would not have sent me. Raphael charged forward, swore aloft, but Deceiver eluded him, wafting away into black billows of smoke. Coward, Raphael said, brandishing his sword, ready for Deceiver to reappear in any instant. He waited. Deceiver didn't take form, but Raphael knew he was there, in the space between himself and the source. Raphael tried to progress toward the source, but an invisible force acted against him, and he found himself unable to move. Raphael concentrated. He was the prince, and he was more powerful than whatever power worked against him. He broke free and stumbled forward a few paces before the energy countered him again. Deceiver! he shouted. Raphael held his ground as the resisting energy released, and Deceiver appeared in human form in front of him, wielding a red-hot poker in one hand and a coil of barbed wire in the other. Raphael, Deceiver said, smirking. Raphael charged at Deceiver. His sword met Deceiver's poker with a sharp clank. Deceiver held his ground and thrashed at Raphael with the coil of barbed wire. Raphael cried out as it cut through his tunic and slashed his arm, and he stepped back. Deceiver advanced, poker high. Raphael raised his sword to block Deceiver's assault and was again met with barbed wire on his arm. Painful, isn't it? Raphael let out a growl in response. Deceiver deftly withdrew the poker and swung it at Raphael's other arm. Raphael dropped his sword and grasped his arm. You're mine now. Raphael shook his head. Never. Deceiver touched the poker to Raphael's face. Raphael recoiled and tripped over some rubbish on the ground behind him. He fell backward onto the ground and his hand caught on a piece of glass. Deceiver towered over him. Any last words, Majesty? This is not the end. Deceiver raised the poker and plunged it into Raphael's heart. Raphael felt the heat first, then he felt very cold. The last thing he saw before his eyes darkened was a white mist rising from his body, blending into the fog above him.
Suddenly, a cool breath filled his lungs, and Raphael's eyes opened, just as his father had said it would happen. Raphael sat up, his body aching. His arms and chest were a sticky mess of blood, and his face stung where Deceiver had touched the poker to it, but he was alive. Deceiver stood facing the source, back to Raphael. Raphael knew that he had the advantage as long as Deceiver remained unaware that he was back. He scanned his surroundings for his sword. It lay a few feet away. Raphael rose and crept over to his sword. He flinched as he bent to pick it up. Taking a breath, he let out a cry and sprinted at the source. Deceiver wheeled around and his eyes widened. Wielding his sword, Raphael plunged it into the black mass. The source shot out bursts of energy, but Raphael stayed his blade. Gradually, the surges grew more and more infrequent, and the mass began oozing black and purple pus onto the ground beneath it. Losing its power, the mass puddled onto the ground, and the foul dirt absorbed it. As the skies cleared, Raphael panted, clutching his stomach. He smiled. He had won. It's not possible. Raphael grinned. I beg to differ. Deceiver's face contorted. You haven't done anything. The people will still follow me into the field. Raphael nodded sadly. Yes, some will. But for the first time since the beginning, they will all be able to see. They will be able to enjoy the king's presence again. This is a great victory. I'll still blind them, Deceiver said. I'll still do everything I can to make them miss out on the king. Of course you will, Raphael said. But you have no real power anymore. Now any time they desire to look, they will be able to see. Deceiver sneered. With those wounds, who will look at you? Raphael surveyed his arms. My father. He'll look at me every time someone trespasses in the field. Deceiver scoffed. I am your king, Raphael said. I have no king, Deceiver returned curtly. Raphael turned to walk away, but cast a final glance over his shoulder at the twisted creature. Before the end, you'll acknowledge it along with everyone else. Chapter 17 Lily felt contemplative. You went into the field so even I can be free? Raphael nodded. Why? I desperately want you to know how loved you are, Raphael said. I want you to know my father and me and how much we desire you to experience the life we intended. Lily was overcome. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Raphael said. I have great plans for you. What plans? You're going to have to go back to your village, Raphael answered. There are people there who need you. From there, I'll make all your steps clear. Anxiety welled up in Lily's stomach. I can't go back there. They'll know I've been in the field and exile me. You have to trust me, Raphael said. Exile is not in my plans for you. You will encounter great challenges in your life, but I will never do anything to harm you. Understand? No, Lily said, a sense of bleakness coming over her. But I do trust you. Raphael grinned. That's my girl. It's time, Lily, Raphael said after he had redressed Lily's wounds. So soon? Lily asked. She looked up and saw Raphael gathering his things and strapping his knapsack over his shoulder. You're not coming with me? 
I'm always with you, Lily, he said. I have a gift for you. He held out a leather-bound book. It's a book about my father and me. It also contains my thoughts about you and what I want for you. Lily took the book tentatively, and Raphael extended a hand to help her stand. Thank you. If you ever need me, just call my name, Raphael told her. Always remember, you are loved and you are mine. With those words, he walked off on the road in the opposite direction from Lily's village. Feeling slightly abandoned, Lily flipped open the leather-bound book Raphael had given her. Inscribed inside the cover were the words, Going through the waters, you will not drown. Going through the currents, they will not pull you down. Even in the fire, you will not be burned. I am with you. For the first time, Lily felt safe.